Welcome to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Resnik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physician experts, as well as effective coaching and steps to working success. Welcome everyone to this episode of Voices of Women Physicians podcast. And I'm so happy to have here with us Dr. Van Gertel. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so impressed by what you're doing. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do. Yeah, so I've been a physician for 30 years now, and I've had a long-standing clinical career for a long time. A few years back, I actually left my internal medicine primary care practice and ventured out on my own and now have my own business, which is celebrating its second year anniversary next month, and it's called My MD Advocate. And so I still help patients, but in a different way, and it's telemedicine only, so that's a little bit different. I also did a number of things too, which hit my passion project requirement during the pandemic, and I'm sure we'll get into my menopause many things, but I'm enjoying this new phase of my career. Thank you so much. And your book, it's so awesome. Menopause menu, it's really awesome. So let's talk a little bit about menopause. So first, I would like to see from your experience and you wrote a book, how can potential postmenopausal issues be addressed and supported starting in the perimenopausal time period? Yeah, that's a really legitimate question because I think there's a lot of focus on peri and menopause. But as the years go by, I mean, we're post-menopause till we die, right? There are things that come up, I think, as a natural consequence of aging that we could actually pay attention to before. And some easy examples, I think of things like osteoporosis, which is thinning of the bone density, or cardiovascular disease, or weight management, of course, that can span our entire life, or things like mental health or cancer screening. And all these things can really be a foundation for improvement if you focus on them in the pre-postmenopause phase. And then so when you're aging, which is really just natural part of life, you can set yourself up for better outcomes if you pay attention to those ahead of time. What could we do ahead of time? What are examples, a couple of examples? So if you pick apart some of those, for instance, osteoporosis. So, okay, we think about strengthening our bone density. Well, you want to think about weight-bearing exercise. So getting your lean muscle mass in tune. You want to think about calcium supplementation or preferentially things in your diet. And also you want to get screened. So a lot of these things almost in midlife or menopause is screening and paying attention to, do you have it or are you at risk for it? And so of course, there are risk factors to try and work on those as well. I guess another example would be weight management. So during menopause, oh, if I had a dime for every time I heard someone say, oh my gosh, I eat healthier and I exercise just as good. And where'd that 10 pounds come from? And it's all here. And so again, paying attention to that and thinking about that ahead of time can really set you up later. So it's not 10 pounds, another 10 pounds and another 10 pounds. So I think those are two examples to focus on. Thank you. And if you talk about nutritional aspects of treating menopause, what science is? What would be helpful? Yeah. So when I think about nutrition for menopause, I think about what's good at midlife. Okay. So we think about, for instance, for weight management, there are many things that we can focus on when we think about maybe plant-based nutrition or looking at anti-inflammatory diets or thinking about the Mediterranean diet, for instance, and not only weight management, but this can help with chronic disease prevention, which again is under the umbrella of menopause. A lot of these things can creep in, right? Pre-diabetes or diabetes and so forth, or rheumatologic illnesses. 
And so focusing on those components of a diet as opposed to a diet, which I just don't think is smart for anyone. It's a four letter word. Looking at nutrition, thinking about what is delicious, what is nourishing, what do you savor, what do you enjoy eating? And then making sure you're paying attention to some of the, you don't have to go vegetarian or vegan, but maybe more plant-based instead of meats and so forth. And then think about those micronutrients, like you might need more calcium in your diet. You might need more protein in your diet and certainly good hydration, right? So all those things are legitimate when you think about this menopausal phase and good nutrition. Oh, yes, absolutely. And also let's talk about stress management and its role in addressing menopausal symptoms. Oh boy, that could be a whole subject in itself, right? So I think the stress of midlife, oh my gosh, I'm preaching to the choir, everyone listening. So maybe your kids are gone and you're empty nesters, or maybe your parents are elderly or they've died, or maybe your partner is sick, or maybe you have an illness, and maybe there's a job change or career change, all these things. And then on top of that, oh my gosh, you're going through menopause. So it's just like, oh, the hormone changes really increase our vulnerability to all this And so it impacts our mood, it impacts our energy, probably our patience and our concentration and all that. So I think backpedaling and thinking about what are techniques, there's so many that can help reintroduce kindness to ourselves. thinking about mentoring ourselves, being our own best mentor, and then using our wisdom, because as you're going through menopause and beyond, we do have some wisdom of the years, and we can apply that to ourselves. And I really think all of that can put a damper on stress as you're going through menopause. Oh, yes, absolutely. And let's talk about hot flushes. Since you studied this topic, menopause, deeply, apart from hormonal therapy, anything else which could help? So many women suffer from this, and it's so common, so important. And sometimes it goes on for years and years and years. <laughs> exactly. So what helps? Is there any scientific basis for any additional types of treatment apart from hormonal replacement? Yeah, I think hormones, absolutely. I don't shun them at all, but there are a lot of things apart from hormones or in addition to. So I think about, well, first of all, what are the triggers for hot flashes? And so if you minimize those triggers, then you can actually make a big dent in those hot flashes. Most women figure it out. It's hot drinks like hot coffee or it's alcohol or it's stress. I know we don't have a magic wand to just turn stress off, but it's vigorous exercise. Ironically, exercise is good, but if you do it too much and right before that may not be smart or certain spicy foods, all those things, tight clothing and maybe the wrong clothing, those can really promote hot flashes. So things that are simple, they're almost kitschy or tricky, but they work. Get some ice water, get your fans going, right? Get the air moving. Don't wear all the tight clothing. You don't want to be able to have things that breathe or layers off. And then there are things that are actually supplement in nature. Like for instance, maybe soy-based. There's a supplement I think called Equal. I'm not promoting any of this, by the way. It just comes to mind, the soy-based supplement or even the new prescription that came out last summer, Bioza, which is a neurokinin receptor agonist. So it's a prescription to help reduce menopausal hot flashes. And then sometimes dietary, maybe things that include more soy products or tofu or edamame that can be helpful. But here's another trick that sounds again, a little far-fetched, but if you try it, it works. And it's like a mindfulness-based technique to kind of ride that wave. Like you anticipate what a hot flash is going to be. You live in the moment, know that it's going to end soon. And you can navigate that. It becomes less of a big deal. Then you feel like, oh, I'm dying right now. Oh, yes. Anything else which can help. Yeah. So those are the things that come to mind. I mean, everyone has a story of what works best for them. Like for instance, I remember a couple of years back, I saw a product I bought it online and it was this scarf that had these little beaded plastic things in it and you soak it in cold water 
And so it ends up like a bandana. You tie it around your neck and it stayed cool for like an hour or two. It was great in the summer because it helped cool my neck down. It made me feel a lot better. This is actually sounds like a good idea. And how about sleep and brain fog? So many people complain. Oh gosh, yeah. Sleep is a biggie and brain fog goes hand in hand with that, right? So I feel like any sleep medicine specialist will definitely echo this. Focus on sleep quality first, not quantity. Even myself, we get hung up on like how many hours of sleep did you get? Our gadgets tell me what we did. But if we look at sleep quality first, that's far better than just gunning for a number of hours. And I think some of it's really the basics. Everyone's heard of sleep hygiene, right? You want the bedroom cool if you can, dark if you can, minimize the noise. Don't use the bed to balance your checkbook. That's not a good way. Minimize the screens, all those things that I think people know. But I think having a pattern, like a lead-in, when you have a child, you have a child who goes to bed and they have a bedtime. For me, that was long ago. But maybe you have bath and maybe you have a book you read and maybe you're singing the song or that you snuggle and you cuddle and then they're going to bed. Well, we can do that with ourselves. We can get a routine that tells our brain, we're going to go to sleep soon and we're settling down for the night. And that can prepare you for better quality sleep, assuming, of course, you're not waking up every hour with a hot flash. And then, of course, staying asleep and then waking up early. Those are things to navigate. But all those are important. And I think if you make a dent in that, it definitely helps with the brain fog and with your fatigue if you have fatigue as a problem. Oh, fatigue, yes, it's also very common. What else helps? Well, I think people ask me all the time about sleep medications, and I really steer away from those unless it's temporary. Someone's had a family, they're stressed, or they have a big plane trip, or they have jet lag, that's different. But I find it's best to stay away from taking a pill to get better sleep, because I just think that's a recipe for disaster later in life when you actually become dependent on that pill. But truthfully, I think it's acknowledging that, first of all, this is a phase. If you've never had a sleep problem before... And now you have, because of menopause, this is not a punishment forever. It's a temporary phase. And so you have to do that self-talk and say, I can get through this. This will pass. I think every so often there are reasons to consult with a sleep specialist because remember, this is midlife. And there are some people who actually are not diagnosed yet with sleep apnea and they have sleep apnea. And that could be a biggie in terms of not just sleep disruption or fatigue or brain fog, but things like weight management and risk for illness. So there's a lot of things I think for folks who don't get a lot of medical care, see your doctor, get your primary care, get your physical, make sure there are other things that aren't contributing before you start to play with those things that I mentioned. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's very important. And tell us a little bit about your book. Oh, my gosh, I am so excited. So this is my book, everybody. It's the menopause menu. And I self-published. It was a very interesting journey for me. It came out a few months ago. It's on Amazon. And what I set out to do was to provide a resource. It's not a medical text. So, oh my gosh, you don't have to look up every third word. It's very conversational. It's very friendly. And there's actually some humor in there. But I also wanted it to be something that was like a resource people come back to, like a coffee table book. When I grew up, my mother was an artist. And I remember the coffee table books on our coffee table. And it could be maybe Georgia O'Keeffe, or it could be Ansel Adams, or it could be the group of seven, you know, some beautiful art. And you would open that book. And maybe you had five minutes and you'd look at the beautiful painting and maybe read a little bit about it. And that was it. You go off and do whatever. And so this is a book that you don't have to read from start to finish. You can just read little bits of it and enjoy. There's, I think, 34 color pictures. There's some poetry. There's some poems and haiku. And there's some quotes from colleagues and patients. And of course, there's medical advice too. And so it's like a nice, good gift book for people. But I think it's a nice way to approach menopause because it's not strict and it's not rigid in terms of hormones versus not hormones. It's not an ultimatum. 
consider even some recipes, right? Yeah. So there's 16 chapters and each chapter has a recipe. So you get 16 recipes. So who knew I was writing a cookbook too? But actually, I will read you one of my favorite haiku from the book. And it's from chapter 13 on mental health. And it was actually given to me by a psychotherapist who's in the state of Washington. Her name is Dr. Susan Scott. Tending menopause, turn soil over with care, rain and tears mingle. That says it all. It actually says it all, yes. Wow. Would you like to share one of your recipes? Yeah. So my recipes were inspired more just by things that I enjoy. And in fact, when I made the recipes, I made sure it was not just something that takes three hours because who has that time, right? Some of them are really just assembling things. But one of my favorite actually is in the sleep disruption section. And the title of it is Cheesy Veggie Quiche with a Hash Brown Crust. And I had people say like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? I'm not going to make a quiche before bed. That's ridiculous. I said, no, read the fine print. Well, the fine print was when it's late at night and then you haven't had a good night's sleep and you're tired, you wake up in the morning and you're exhausted. Hey, guess what? You've made your quiche ahead of time. You've cut it into squares or wedges and you put it in the fridge or freezer and you take a piece out, you pop it in your microwave. And in one minute, you have a really healthy breakfast that has a good protein punch and is delicious and oh yeah, homemade. And so lots of different varieties. And I must attribute this to the originator of the recipe is another physician, Dr. Heather Schultz. And so she gave me permission to use this in my book, but it's one example of it's not necessarily the nutritional components, although it's good for you and she's a vegetarian, but it's also like, how can I do this to match what I'm going through and to make life more simple? Yes, to make life easier. It's most important. It is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me here today and for sharing with us about this. And I will put in our show notes a ways for our listeners to contact you and to learn more. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at joyfulsuccessliving. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own well-being, decisions, and results. Dr. Resnik is a practicing physician, but Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.